We head to the United Kingdom to catch up with freelance sports reporter who does uh, fine work, including for Sky Sports of the United Kingdom, to talk the round ball code. He's far too good looking to be in sports media. He is James Green. Welcome to the show, James. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That's why I'm now on the radio, you see. <laughs> the old face for radio. If there's one man on the planet who might be able to rival Glenn Maxwell for popularity amongst the Australian sporting community, it might be Ange Postacoglu, uh, who's made quite an impact um, around the footballing world with his first season with uh, Spurs. Of course, had you know wonderful success with Celtic and Japan and, of course, in this part of the globe in the A-League, of course. But even when his sides lose, the mighty entertainers. And that game, what, 24 hours ago against Chelsea was quite something. Yeah, had everything, didn't it? I mean, these two sides, they seem to never fail to produce fireworks on the pitch. They've got and developed this real rivalry between the two sides that you never know what to expect. But it was a game you just couldn't keep your eyes off it. There was incident after incident, VAR review after VAR review, red cards, five goals, nine men, this bizarre tactic that Ange decided that he wanted his team to play while they had nine men, which really was a little bit footballing suicide at times, which Chelsea eventually figured out how to work it and how to play through it. But yeah, it's a game that had everything. It was everything that you love about the Premier League, really. It um, just had so much excitement. And, uh, and well, yeah, Chelsea picked up a vital win for Tottenham, their first defeat of the season. But it's been... An incredible turnaround for Tottenham with Ange Postacoglu in charge. He's done wonders at that club to bring a fan base together that was very separated, to bring exciting football that they haven't seen for many years. And the results are showing. The players seem to be playing for the manager. There's a a real positive atmosphere amongst the team. And although they lost 4-1, it's really strange. They've come out of it with a huge amount of credit, which doesn't usually happen very often in football. Yeah, an innovative thinker he always has been. But uh, for those who didn't see the game, especially in this part of the world, James, describe that innovative tactic when they went down to nine. Yeah, yeah. So usually, well, what happens in any game when you lose a player, or you, certainly if you lose two players, most teams will defend their edge of their penalty area. They'll just lock in, get everybody behind the ball, really defend deep, and make sure they're just dealing with anything that comes close to their area. Uh, not Ange Postacoglu, it seems. He decided that he wanted his defenders to have a really high line. So they were literally defending on the halfway line, which meant there was a huge amount of space in behind them. And all it needed was a ball over the top or a through ball. And Chelsea were in. But it took Chelsea so long to really figure it out and to get that right ball over the top, make that right run. But eventually when they did, floodgates open, they figured it out and three more goals were scored so it was a bit of a surprise but you've got to you've got to hand it to Ange really because you know he wanted his Tottenham team to still go for it he wanted them to press Chelsea into a mistake and try and snatch a goal and they very they very nearly did they had a couple of chances right near the end before Chelsea had scored their second to go ahead so you know a lot of credit but at the end of the day it's still a defeat and 4-1 at home to anybody really is disappointing to be honest. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's not helped by two uh, red cards, um, of course, so you're down to nine. But, you know, in this day and age of, you know, cynicism, um, and I certainly can be accused of that for sure, there is a spirit about him, an endeavour, a, a willingness to attack that, um, you know, lends us 
fans into a realm of entertainment, which needs to be admired, despite, you know, a, a pretty sorry-looking scoreline at the end of the game. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, look, it, 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 it did. I think watching it, there was, I, I think, a part of a lot of people that are actually quite encouraged by it. And the neutrals, it certainly added to the spectacle that it was. I think a lot of Tottenham fans probably looked at it as well and went, well, why not? Fair play to them. And and they were brave. And, and we've got to credit bravery in any sport that we see. And Spurs were definitely like that. And And this is all... This wouldn't have happened under Antonio Conte. This just wouldn't have happened. They'd have dropped straight back. <laughs> They'd have fought on as many of the centre-backs as possible, but not for Anne. She wanted to really go for it. And, and look, their bravery was very, very nearly rewarded. But I do believe, I've got to say, though, I do believe you've got to be careful sometimes. And I think there is a little bit of a line between bravery and a bit of stupidity. And I just think that high line was... You're just asking for trouble. And honestly, it could have been, it could have ended up a lot worse than just 4-1 in the end. Oh, no doubt about that. And I'm, I'm with you. Uh, Chelsea were quite profligate in front of goal, weren't they? It, it could have been far worse. But as far as entertainment, 10 out of 10. Uh, he's been so well received over there, hasn't he, just? Because anytime I hear him in front of the press, like, um, he, he, he just reminds me of a bloke you're having a chat to about sport at your local pub. Yeah, that, that that's it and that's how he's uh, being thought of over here in the UK at the moment he is that guy I I, I spoke to him uh, in a pre-season game actually and uh, at a press conference and we, we were you know asking him questions and he was just so down to earth he loves using it uh, mate he's a classic Aussie I think with regards to that that term but yeah look he, he's very honest he's very open he, he's, he's quite I feel like he simplifies things a lot. He doesn't want his players to be too complicated. Uh, he just comes across like a very genuine, nice guy. He's uh, entertaining in everything he seems to say, whether it's just in an interview or press conference. You know, you know you're going to get uh, respect from him. And, yeah, he's, he's brought a real uh, renewed energy, certainly, to Tottenham and a lot of energy to the Premier League. He's liked by not just Tottenham fans. I think there's quite a lot of fans in the Premier League that are watching him going, actually, he's a decent guy. And I've got to say, Arsenal fans are certainly looking and going, oh, it's a shame I don't hate their manager anymore. And I think that's a big <laughs> thing that's happened. <laughs> um, and he deals with controversy really well. So um, as is always the case, your side concedes two Rick You're going to be asked about it. I'll play you a little clip of how he dealt with the media after this game. No, I've already said that, you know, that's whatever decision they've made. They've made. At some point, we've got to accept the referee's decision. You know, that's how I grew up. Yeah, and I keep saying that, and I said that last time, you know. This constant erosion of referees' authorities, well, this is where the game's going to get. They're not going to have any authority, and um, it's going to get diminished. Yeah, it's a really important message, considering what has happened more broadly this season, um, this week especially, uh, with Mikel Arteta, the, the latest. And he's not the only one, Mikel Arteta, who's had a constant crack. Um, it's a real problem, isn't it? Firstly, the officiating, the level of, and I'm not ignoring that, but some of the messaging um, and the criticism of of players from managers, are you are you as concerned as I am, James? Um, maybe not not as concerned as you are with the criticism. I think the criticism has been building. I think the officiating in the Premier League 
for what everybody quotes as the best league in the world has been pretty poor and pretty dismal. And, and I don't believe it's getting any better. Their ineptitude when they're using VAR and the system surrounding it, all the technology, it feels like the people in control of that are really struggling. We've seen it on many occasions now. There's far too many apologies being made from the PG MOL to clubs about decisions that they've got wrong. Now, for Mikko Arteta, this, to me, is a culmination of bad decisions against Arsenal just this season in 11 games. And I could point out a few. There was a sending off for Tommy Asu against Crystal Palace for a second yellow card that was never a yellow card. Um, we've got two yellow cards that should have been given to Matteo Kovacic uh, for Manchester City against Arsenal. Uh, didn't get the decision. Uh, there was an offside for Gabriel Martinelli against Everton, which actually turned out to probably be the wrong decision. Um, there was a foul uh, by uh, Robert Sanchez, the Chelsea goalkeeper on Gabriel Jesus. We got Arsenal got an apology, but it was still a mistake. And there's been a few more that I'm probably forgetting. So I think there's a culmination of that, uh, which is important. I think with Angie's comments, though, I, I've, I've got to say, I look at it, I looked at it a little bit differently. And he has just come off the back of a 4-1 defeat. Now, yes, there'll be a lot of plaudits by how they tackled the game with nine men, but ultimately they were in control of that game. And if it wasn't for some really poor decisions by a couple of their players to get themselves mm. sent off, the result would have been different. And he's come out after the game and all he's done is speak about the respect for officials. Now, none of the decisions against his side were controversial yesterday. We must state that. They were clear-cut. And the Arsenal-Newcastle one, the decision, it wasn't clear-cut. And it was controversial. So I think Andy. But it's not a clear cut goal either. I think he's not a clear cut goal. Good positive PR for his club. Yeah. It's subjective, though, the the goal against Newcastle. It's not clear cut either way. And and did Arteta come out and thank the officials for not sending off Kai Havertz? You can't have it both ways, James, right? No, but obviously, look, we know and you know what football managers or any sport managers are always going to support his team. And he reiterated yeah, that stance today that he, he, back, he backs his team and he backs his team whatever the situation is. Look, the Kai Havertz one, yeah, it could have been a red card on a different day. We saw almost a similar sort of challenge by uh, Destiny Yudogi for Tottenham against Chelsea yesterday. And he was booked. Yes. He only got a yellow card where some thought it might have been a red card. But, you know, you look at that game, the Newcastle Arsenal, you have Bruno Gimares who put a forearm in the uh, back of the head of Jorginho in the Arsenal midfield. And that was checked and was deemed an OK challenge, which is just obscene, to be perfectly honest with you. And then, look, with the goal incident, look, I'll share my opinion. My opinion was whether the ball was in or out, it doesn't matter. One thing you're taught when you start playing football uh, is you play to the referee's whistle. So you've yeah. got to carry on. I think there's there's, there's areas where Mikel Tessa actually will look at his team and probably behind closed door question them for not playing on, not closing the ball down. But for me, it was just the most obvious push I've ever seen in a penalty area. It's so obvious. It's so blatant. And I think that's the most difficult thing for him to accept. And, look, I, I've spoken to Mikel Arteta many times. We've done many one-on-one interviews and... He's he's a very smart, intelligent guy. And I think there's probably reasoning behind such a an outburst. And look, I know you, you, you some people might not want to see it from managers, pressure on officials. But we also sometimes bemoan managers for not being honest 
and open about how they feel. We bemoan football players for being so media trained with their answers. And actually, when we see that raw emotion coming out and see what it actually means when you know a decision goes against the team, that's what it means. This is elite level sport. This is the highest possible level. They're frustrated, like fans are. And I think we just saw that. And I think we saw that come out. And whether it's right, and maybe maybe I think he was maybe slightly over the top, but I think he's trying to get his message across. And he's trying to get his message across that things have to improve. And and the decision-making at the PGMOL need to improve. The officials and officiating in the Premier League needs to improve. And that's, look, that's not just Arsenal. That's across the board because there are a variety of teams who have had some really bad decisions against them this season. Especially, you know, I'm going to point out somebody like Wolves. Not the most... Uh, maybe sexiest of teams in the Premier League, but they've had some shockers this season. And it's just unacceptable. And they want to change it. They want to develop it. And they want to make sure that we're not seeing these uh, dreadful decisions being made on a week-by-week basis. Yeah, and it's important to say it's not just a a tetter. Uh, You are right there. Uh, I completely agree with that. There's a a lot of managers who um, have uh, been rather unhappy, for sure. Uh, I'll get you out on this one. Uh, Champions League are on full round of games over the next couple of days. The early game, uh, Borussia Dortmund surprising Newcastle United. Geordie's in a little bit of bother, are they? Yeah, look, it, it, they, they, the big thing for Newcastle was the defeat uh, last week or the week before. Um, my days are already losing me already, but when they lost at home to Borussia Dortmund, I think that was, that was a big disappointment and it was always going to be tough. And for Newcastle, they've had countless injuries their squad is is heavily depleted at the moment and they're having to cope with playing high intensity games you know Saturday would have taken so much out of them to play Saturday night in a game of such a high intensity against Arsenal and then a couple of days a few days later they're in Dortmund playing in a an equally hostile atmosphere as you'd find going to St James's Park I think it was always going to be tough for them and it was always going to be a tough group as we know, but look, it's not over yet. They've got to make sure they do the business in their next game again at home to AC Milan. I think that's their next game, if I'm not mistaken, before the, it might be the other way around actually. They've got Paris Saint-Germain away maybe in a couple of weeks time. Um, But look, that group is living up to the reputation of the group of death and, yeah, it's not going to be easy for them. But look, I would never write them off. They've been their improvement under Eddie Howe. And a lot of people will put, point to the money that's been spent, of course. But you know what? They've brought in the right players, the right character. They've got some real hard workers in that team who's gonna, who are going to you know, bust, bust it for 90 minutes, put every ounce of effort in. And it's showing. And you need that when you're competing, not just in the Premier League, but in the Champions League as well. Yeah, and he's improved players too that were already there. It's a really good sign of a good coach. Hey, James, really enjoyed chatting. Really enjoyable time. Thanks so much for staying up late for us, mate. Enjoy those Champions League games tonight. Go well, sir. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.